teaching part two of a series we're called, calling Finally Free. Everyone say, Finally Free. Finally Free. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn me in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. John 8, 31. As Doug was saying, uh, Pastor Don was saying that he was homesick and he misses all of you. So please continue to pray for our head pastor as he continues to minister in Africa. And man, we are blessed to have a pastor like Don, aren't we? Yeah. Like we, we, I think sometimes we take for granted the, the, the strength that he carries and the eldership carries to lead this church in this community. A couple weeks ago, I was able to go out to New York uh, with some of the, the youth to do a college visit to where I went to college. And I was able to catch up with some old friends um, all through the weekend and just having conversations of asking, man, how's your church doing? How's everything going? And just hearing different stories, my mind just kept going back to, wow, we are blessed. Wow, we are blessed to have Pastor Don. Wow, we are blessed to have these elders. And I have the honor and privilege to work with Pastor Don each and every day. So I'm with him on his great days. I'm with him on his not so great days, where I decided to stay upstairs for the afternoon. But... He has remained faithful to the call of this church consistently. And it's so beautiful to see that in a leader. So I just want to encourage you guys, for someone that walks with him personally, not just behind the pulpit, he is a man that practices what he preaches. So I just want you to be encouraged. Be blessed and be grateful for the leadership that we have, because I know that I am. Amen? All right, who's ready to read the Word? All right. John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everyone say, set you free. free. They answered, and we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you, you say you will become free? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be, everyone say it, free indeed. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the Word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us, reveal to us your heart in this Scripture, and show us how to walk it out today. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Before we jump in, I just want to give a quick shout-out to a birthday boy in the place, Joe Tullis. It's his birthday, so let's give him a hand. Happy birthday. I had a birthday request to say that. Man, it's so exciting to be here and to talk about freedom. As we talked about last week, Jesus came to set us free. And as we said, we must remember that the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that must mean freedom is available today. Freedom from addiction, freedom from depression, freedom from anger, freedom from bitterness, freedom from anxiety. Freedom is available today, and not just temporarily, not just momentarily, but permanently. Permanently free from our chains, free from our bondage. Because as we talked about, free people are dangerous. If you are free, if nothing owns you, you cannot be more dangerous against our enemy, the devil. Quick question to break the ice. If you have a name, raise your hand. All right. Great. We all have names. That's awesome. 
We were all born with a name. Some of us have longer names than the others. Some of us have more confusing names than the others, maybe like myself or Lisa. Some of us may get stopped in the airport because our name is a little longer. Or like me, as a freshman in high school going on a missions trip, I forgot part of my name because I had an extra last name that I forgot to tell the lady. It was not a good story. But we all have a name. And we attach our name to who we are, our identity, right? But another thing, too, we don't just have a name that's on our driver's license. We have nicknames, right? And, but not everyone calls you by your nickname. It's through relationship, right? So we connect our relationships by our names, right? On paper, my wife's name is Juliana Melu Aquino. But then she says, you can call me G, right? We align our name to identity. Because knowing who we are is powerful. Knowing who we are is powerful. One of my favorite movie series is Jason Bourne. Has anyone else watched Jason Bourne? Yeah, Jason Bourne. Man's movie. Me and my wife, I showed her, I, we watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Me and my dad love this series. And if you haven't watched this series, Jason Bourne is all about a CIA assassin who suffered from dissociative amnesia during his time in attempting to kill someone. He wakes up, he forgets who he is. And now he's on a manhunt to discover who he is. Now, if there is a CIA assassin, highly trained, trying to figure out who he is, you better get out of his way. <laughs> I don't want to spoil the movie, but you better, it's a really good movie. You should watch it. And long story short, he finds the people who did this to him. And come to find out, his real name isn't Jason Bourne. It's John Michael Caine. But through this journey, it's interesting, in this movie... He begins to find more success the more he began to realize who he was. And he was paralyzed because he didn't know who he was. And I learned from this movie that knowing who you are will help you understand where you've been and where you are going. Let me ask you this question. Do you know who you are? Not just your full name, not just what's on your driver's license. Do you know who you are? Because many people today, they don't know who they are. And in conclusion, they don't know where they're going. And when we bring up chains, when we bring up bondage, there are people who genuinely want to be free. Some of us are walking around with chains, right? And you genuinely, you want to let this thing go. But the problem is, you don't know who you are. And since you don't know who you are, you don't know who God is. So you're trying to bring these chains to God, but because you don't know what your identity is in Him, you don't know what the process looks like. And you don't know what it means to let these go because you don't know who He is and you don't know who you are. We would call this an identity crisis, a period of uncertainty, 
or confusion in a person's life. And this occurs when a person's sense of identity becomes insecure or unstable. There are people here who are chained up, trapped in bondage, but they don't know how to be free because they don't know who they are. Identity is an interesting thing because we are always identifying ourselves with something. Right? Think about it. When you meet someone for the first time, what's one of the first questions you ask them or they ask you? What do you do for a living? Right? Tell me about yourself. Usually the first thing we say is our career. So we are identifying ourselves with being an engineer. We identify ourselves with being a teacher. We naturally do these things. If you are an athlete, you identify yourself as a soccer player, a football player, a basketball player. We are always identifying ourselves with something. But the key is, what are we identifying ourselves with? Because what's dangerous is, many believers today would rather identify themselves with something that is temporary, something they do on this earth, instead of identifying themselves with Jesus Christ. And that is a problem. Because what you identify with, you give authority to. If I identify myself as Eddie and Ann's son, I've given them authority. If I identify myself as a worker, a baroque tool, they have authority over my life. What are you giving authority to? Because if you don't know how to find your identity in Christ, you run into everything in front of you to find your identity. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm in sports. I'm going to identify with myself. I'm going to jump in to being a student athlete instead of dealing with my issues, instead of dealing with my bondage, I'm going to ignore all of that and I'm just going to be a college athlete. I'm just going to be a hard worker. But what happens when you graduate and now you can't identify yourself with this sport anymore? What happens when you identify yourself with this job, with this career that you've been working for 20 20 years and you get laid off? Where is your identity? And to even go deeper, many of us are identifying ourselves with our chains. And it went from just something I ran to to cope the pain. Like, oh, let me not deal with my issues, so let me just run to this alcohol. Let me just run to this TV show that has some sex scenes. Oh, you better help me out. Let me run to this thing. But because we haven't taken care of it, now it's part of who we are. It's part of who we are. It went from, I was struggling with this sin, and now I'm just going to identify myself as an addict. I'm going to identify myself as a drunk. I'm going to identify myself as a divorcee. There's no hope for me. Who are you? What are you identifying yourself with? Because here's the, here's the key. How you view God will determine how you view your chains. So let that marinate real quick. How you view God will determine how you view your chains. How do you view God? Who is he? And to follow that up, how you view yourself in relation to God will also determine how you view your chains. 
How do you view yourself in relation to God? These are important questions. Because once you know who you are in Christ, you will know how to approach your chains. And once you know who God is in your life, you will know how to come to him to approach your chains. And that's what I want to talk about today. Our identity will affect whether we're free or in bondage. So let's go back to the scripture that we've been talking about. So verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed, everyone say believed. Jesus said this. Now let's pause right there. Jesus is talking to believers. Remember that. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Look at their, look at their response. They answer him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? So this conversation that Jesus is having with the Jews is one of the best illustrations in Scripture of people being in bondage and being blind to their bondage. These Jews were blind to their bondage. Their response is hilarious. Jesus saying, you have to be set free. But the Jews are saying, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Have any of you read the Old Testament? Because I don't know about you, but I can think of a couple times in Scripture where the Jews were indeed enslaved. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians. One of my favorite movies, Prince of Egypt, was all about that. They were enslaved. And what's even crazier is that as they are telling this to Jesus, they were at that moment enslaved to the Romans. So why are they responding like this? They were blind. And we can spend all day opening up the Bible and talking about how ignorant the Jews were. But how many times do we do this? Bondage? Chains? I'm a Christian. I go to church. I've never been in bondage. Everything's good. And when we make that statement, we struggling for real. Like we talked about last week. It's different for all of us. Maybe pride, lust, anger, bitterness, fear, unforgiveness, resentment, jealousy. Should I keep going? If you've never struggled with any of those things, I want to get a TED Talk from you and ask me, how do you do it? All of us go through these things. And in the next verse, Jesus makes it clear to who is in bondage. So they're like, we're Abraham's descendants. What are you talking about? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone say sins, is a slave to sin. Jesus got us. He, he got me. Because I, I sin. And if you sin, the people he was, he was talking to, they all sinned. So Jesus is getting everyone. 
And this is a great example of the heart of Jesus through his public ministry. Because as you look all through the scriptures, you will see Jesus continually opening up our eyes to the spiritual realm and the spiritual world, right? We see it in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 with the Sermon on the Mount, right? It has been written, do not kill your brother, but I say to you, if you even have anger, you've committed sin. So Jesus is trying to open the eyes of the blinds who only focus on religion, who only focus on their works, who only focus on what they do and focus on what they don't do. Jesus is opening our eyes because the Jews in this moment, they were blinded to their earthly connection to Abraham. So they didn't need to be free. How many times do we do that? We feel like we don't need to be free because we are blinded to the earthly connection of just being a Christian. The earthly connection of, I just go to church. You show up every Sunday, but you're not really receiving it because, oh, it's for the other people. It's for the younger Christians. It's for the ones who have a crazier past than me. That's, this sermon's for them. It's not for me. How many times do we do this? Let's keep going. Now a slave, Jesus says this, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Everyone say free indeed. Free indeed. So although the believer is saved, right? You accept Jesus in your heart, you're saved, you're redeemed. Although this is true, you have to make the choice of walking in slavery or walking in sonship. It's up to you. It's up to you. That's on us. And Jesus is saying, choose sonship so you can be free. So Jesus is making it clear that freedom is only available through the Son. When you read Scripture, it is a capital Son. S-O-N, it is capitalized. When you read Scripture, whenever a word is capitalized, it is referring to God. When you see the word He, Him, Himself, the word capital W, it's referring to God. So when you see this capital, so if the Son sets you free, He is revealing His divine authority in this moment. Jesus is saying, I'm the only one that can set you free. I'm the only one that can break your chains. I'm the only one that can do that. No one else. Nothing else. Only me. If the Son sets you free. So Jesus is showing that freedom isn't found in our earthly bloodline. It's through the bloodline of Christ. He is the only blood that can set us free. So in verse 34, Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. In the New King James Version, or maybe in your personal version, it may say whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. But I want to break down this word in the New King James. It says, whoever commits. Everyone say commits. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Think of that word commit. Think of the word committed. Whoever is committed to sin is a slave to sin. This word committed is powerful because anyone who has been in a romantic relationship or maybe with your spouse, when you're committed to somebody, that means everyone else is off limits. 
It don't matter if I got a ring on or not. I better walk in commitment to her. Nobody else. These eyes are for her because I'm committed. My heart is for her. I'm committed. What are you committed to? I'm not even asking you the question if you're Christian. Because to be honest with you, that really doesn't matter these days. If you say I'm a Christian. Cool. But do you follow Jesus? There's a difference. There's a difference. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This wasn't in my notes. I don't know if you've been realizing, but the devil has been revealing himself more and more. When you open up the TV, when you open up your phone, and I'm telling you, being Christian, that ain't enough anymore. Going to church on Sunday, that ain't enough anymore. Who are you committed to? Where is your commitment? This is what Jesus is asking. He's asking the Jews, but he's also asking us, who are you committed to? And if that ain't enough, let's open up the Greek. Let me pull a Dave Campbell real quick. The word commit in Greek means to formulate a plan. So Jesus is saying, whoever formulates a plan to sin is a slave to sin. So to my brother or sister that no sermon is for them, have you ever formulated a plan? Have, you, have we ever put any intentionality to committing a sin? I know I have. I have been intentional of doing something and making sure my mom and dad don't see it. And to even go deeper, I have been intentional I have formulated multiple plans to do something, hoping that God wouldn't see me. And just pretending that he couldn't see me. So I don't know if you've got it, but Jesus is coming for all of us. And the Jews were blind, as many of us are blind. Don't be blind to the lie that being Christian is enough. Open your eyes to see, okay, I need freedom from bondage. I need freedom from sin. So what were they blind to? They were blind to their current bondage. They were blind to their understanding of who God is because these people did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So they were blind to their bondage. They were blind to who God was. And they were blind to their relation to God because they worried more about their relation to Abraham than their relation to Jesus. So we're going to make that applicable today. How do we open our eyes of being blinded from our current bondage in 2023, our relation to God, and our understanding of who God is? So the first question I want to figure out is, who is God? Who is God? Scripture shows us many different places of who God is. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher, the creator of all things, the Lord and master of our lives. That is who God is. But I want to specifically focus today on the heart of God, the Father. Abba, Father. 
1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist. Matthew 23, 9 says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Psalm 68, 5 says, Father of the fatherless and the protector of our widows is God in his holy habitation. 1 John 3.31, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him, the Father. God is your Father. Do you believe that this morning? We need to open our eyes from being blind. Because religion blinds us from being in relationship with God. But the foundation of our faith must be relationship. Walking with Jesus, it begins with relationship and it ends with relationship. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. Everyone say know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. This is eternal life. This is salvation. That you know me. In the Greek, this word know means intimacy. Mm. This is eternal life. That you intimately get to know me. Do you intimately know your father, the Lord? Or is he just some guy we sing about on Sundays? He's calling for relationship. If you view God as a father, you will be more open to coming to him with your bondage and chains. Let's go back to these chains. God the Father wants to set you free. He's not a dictator in the sky. He is a father who is present and available today. Now, many of you know my earthly father, Eddie Lima. That is his name. That's, that's his English version of his name, right? So we can all say it, right? Eddie Lima is his name. Nothing can change that. He was born Eddie Lima. He will die as Eddie Lima. Nothing changes. But your relationship with Eddie will determine how you view him. If you just, if all you are is a colleague to Eddie and you go to church with him, you might ask him surface level questions. How's your week? What's the worship set list today? Man, you're singing that song again. Like that might be all there is. If if Eddie is your boss, you're going to report to him on Monday morning to see what your duties are, right? To take care of the business because he's your boss. If Eddie is your worship leader, And that's the case for many of us here. You will make sure to show up on Thursday night with the songs practiced and be ready that Eddie's going to change the chords last minute. Ain't that right, Tim Slaughter? That is right. Eddie is my worship leader. It's true. But more than that, he's my father. So your view of Eddie and my view of Eddie is different. And in the same way, my submission to Eddie as a son is different than your submission to Eddie as your worship leader. He made that very clear with his belt growing up. 
<laughs> man, he made that very clear growing up that he ain't just a worship leader. He's my father. But man, we have an amazing relationship. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of my dad is relationship. And of course, there was discipline growing up. Of course, we had our moments. But at the end of the day, I had a relationship with him. So yes, my reverence and respect was there for my father. But there was also a love and connection I had and I still have with him that no one will understand. And no matter what you have to say about my father, no matter what stories are said, nothing can change what I have with him. Do you have that with God? That no matter what people say, mm, that no matter how much they mock him, do you have that relationship with the Lord that you're like, I don't care what you have to say about my God because nothing you can say or do can change what I have with him. Amen. Mm. Do you have that with him today? Growing up, the more I grew in relationship with my dad, the more it went from, shoot, I messed up, I got to run from my dad, to, shoot, I messed up, I got to go tell my dad. Do you have that with the Lord? I just really believe right now that the Spirit is trying to break some father wounds right now in this moment. Because there have been people here who may, may have not had a father like Eddie. Maybe your father wasn't there. Maybe your father wasn't present. But I want to let you know that the Heavenly Father is ready to fill that hole right now and call you his son. Because when we're in relationship to the Father, we're not trying to hide our chains from him. We're bringing them to him. But isn't that a real thing, hiding? We hide, don't we? And preparing this sermon really made me think, how would have Genesis 3 been different if Adam and Eve didn't hide. Because remember, they fell. They sinned. What did they do after they sinned? Did they go to God? They hid from him. Religion will tell us to run from God. Relationship draws us close. And how you view God will determine how you respond to sin. How you view God will determine how you respond after you fell. Because here's the reality, like we talked about last week, we will sin. We will fall. We will never arrive to perfection. Right? So that must mean that there will be moments in our life that we are not perfect. Moments that we are way far from perfect. But in that moment, where are you going? When you fall, when you have accountability and you fall to the sin, where are you going? Are you running accountability? Are you running back to those old friends? 
Where are you running to? Because how you view God will determine how you respond to sin. And in the same way, I've been looking in my daily Bible reading. If you guys want to turn to Matthew 26 for those who have Bibles. Matthew 26, God revealed to me the importance of how you view God. So Matthew 26, we see the Passover meal, right? The Last Supper. Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples. In verse 20, chapter 26, verse 20, it says, When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were sorrowful and began to say to one another, Is it I, Lord? Let's highlight right there, that right there. Is it I, Lord? And then he says, some different things. He who has dipped his hand in the dish, he is the one who will betray me. Look at verse 25. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? The disciples in verse 22 said, is it I, Lord? Judas says, is it I, Rabbi? Or the word is teacher. Some of them referred to, him, referred to him as Lord. Judas referred to him as just a teacher. And it doesn't say this specifically in Scripture, but I wonder. I wonder what Judas' experience, how differently it would have been if he didn't just view Jesus as a teacher. But he would actually view him as a Lord and Savior. Because there's a difference how you view God. Is he just some teacher? Is he just some man in the clouds that did some great things on earth? Or is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? How do you view God? And now let's go back to what we've been saying. How you view God will determine how you respond to sin. So this evening, as Jesus is being arrested, there were two men who fell short. Judas, and who was the other one? Peter. Pay attention. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. But what was their response to the sin? Judas took his life. Peter ran to Jesus and repented. So the real win against these chains isn't a matter of, oh, I fell again. It's all about who am I running to when I fall. It didn't come down to what they did. It came down to who they knew. Your life, your walk with Jesus, it doesn't come down to what you do. It comes down to who you know. And who you know will determine what you do. Mm. Because now you're not abstaining from sin because, oh, the book said it, so I shouldn't do it. You're abstaining from sin because you want, you want to honor your friend. You want to honor your loving father. You want to honor your savior. You want to truly walk with him because there's relationship. Man, he's trying to restore some relationships today between us and him. So who is God? He is a father. 
God the Father is ready to embrace you, walk with you, and set you free from chains and bondage today. He has his hands wide open. Come to me. Come to me. So we answer that question, who is God? He's a father. And now we got to ask this hard question, who am I? Who am I? So to go back to the scripture in verse 35 of John 8, Jesus is saying, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Then he says this, and a slave does not abide, or in other words, to remain in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus is giving us a contrast between sons and slaves. He's dealing with the issue of sonship versus slavery. In this context, Jesus is talking about spiritual slavery. And the thing about slavery to sin, it's the worst kind of slavery because there is no escape from ourself. So it is a deep inward slavery, bondage that Jesus is dealing with. Because we're walking around, we're showing these physical chains, but the stuff that you and I are battling, it ain't physical. It's spiritual. We got to remember, Jesus is always opening our eyes to the Spirit. So grab a hold of this picture real quick. We've all studied history, whether in school or in our own time, whether it was U.S. history or church history, Slavery has been here for many years, right? We know that. So we know that with a slave, there is a taskmaster. This taskmaster is in charge of this slave. You buy a slave, you bring this slave to your home, and he works in your field as a slave. But yes, there were slaves on that property, but there were also children on the same property of this taskmaster because taskmasters they had kids they had children whether you've seen it in u.s history or church history pharaoh the one who was in charge of keeping uh, the israelites enslaved in the book of exodus had children we see that because the lord did the the plagues and his son passed away so the taskmaster's slave slaves and the taskmaster's sons Both lived on the same property, but they had two completely different experiences. What differentiated the son and the slave was their view of the taskmaster. Let that settle in really quick. One saw him as a taskmaster. The other one saw him as a father. One experienced work in pain the other experienced a relationship, an inheritance. One viewed him as a burden, the other viewed him as a blessing. Who are you? Who is God to you? Are you a son or are you a slave? Because if we live like slaves, how can we expect a relationship with the father like a son? Because living like a slave, you'll never experience a relationship with the Father. 
you'll always work from a slave mentality. And the slave mentality is work-based. The slave's mentality is work-based. But here's the thing. A slave can never work himself out of bondage. That bondage you, you, you carrying right now, that chain, you can't work yourself out of it. I know that from experience. I was, I was deep in bondage to addiction. I would try to work myself out of that. All right, I'm, I got to go to more services. I got to sing more songs. I got to do more of these things so this can go away. But I never brought it to a father. I just kept trying to do it in my own strength. I kept trying to find freedom on my own because I had the slavery mentality, work-based. What's your mentality with that struggle of pornography? Do you have a slave mentality with that struggle with pills? Do you have a slave mentality with that marriage issue? Do you have a slave mentality with that depression? Because here's another thing about slavery. Slaves always have a master. Who is your master? Because you are submitted to your master. What the master wants, you will do. Who is your master? Because you can, you can say all you want. I want freedom. I want freedom. I want freedom. But who are you submitted to for real, for real? Are you in, are you, is addiction your master? So wherever he goes, you go. Is that, is that anxiety your master? Whenever he decides to show up, you're going to submit. So you're not even going to use the authority Christ has given you to find peace in the spirit. You're just going to submit to anxiety and just let it come. Let it arrive and do its thing. Are you a slavery? Is that addiction your master? Whenever he wants to show up, he's going to get what he wants? Is that lust your master? That no matter where I see her, whether I work with her or not, my lust is going to get what he wants? Who's your master? Who is your master? Ask that question this morning to yourself. Because you can run to the altar all you want. You can call the pastors all you want. But until you make that decision in your heart that it's time for me to have a new master, I'm not going to follow him anymore. Until that happens, you won't experience any type of breakthrough, any type of freedom. It's time to surrender this slavery mindset. Galatians 5.1, Paul is pleading with us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Slavery has to be done with in your walk with Christ. It is over. It is finished. He paid the ultimate price 
for those chains to fall off, for that bondage to leave you. He paid the price. Stand firm. Walk in freedom. You are not a slave anymore to that addiction. You are not a slave anymore to that depression, to that anxiety, to those suicidal thoughts. Rebuke those. Keep walking as a son. You are not a slave. You are a son. We find victory through our God, the Father, who is ready to set his children free. Any great loving father will do everything in his power and capability to set his kids free. And he has already done it. He has done it. He has set you free. He has liberated you. Stop living in slavery. Walk in freedom today. Because what if freedom isn't about trying to break free from chains? What if it's all about surrender to God the Father? It's time to surrender as a son. You have your head down looking at these chains. You're doing everything in your power to try to just get out. But you're not going anywhere. You're running from accountability, trying to just get out. You're running from church community, trying to do it in your own strength. Are you trying to ignore it? Just looking at these chains, trying to, trying to be set free on your own power. But you've never just looked up. Say, God, I'm not just some person that you created just because you created me with purpose. God, I'm not just some random person that's walking on this earth struggling. I am your daughter. I am your child. And God, I've tried so much to be set free from this addiction, from this oppression so much on my own. God, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give it all up. And God, I don't know what that means. I don't know what freedom looks like, but I know that you do. So I'm going to submit myself to this process of finding freedom in you. Because I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Because here's the truth. You cannot be free if you are owned. You cannot be free if you are owned. What owns you? Does that hunger for being popular own you? Does that hunger just to be with someone romantically, does that own you? Does that anxiety own you? Or are you free from that? Thank you, Jesus. In closing, there's power in our name. Amen? We just talked about the difference of the power from being a son and the power of being a slave. Because like we said in the beginning, our identity is connected to our name. 
we connect our identity to what our name is. And what's so interesting about this is that God changes people's names, and he has actually changed people's names in Scripture with intentionality. We know about it. He changed Abram's name to Abraham. He changed Sarai's name to Sarah. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Simon's name to He changed Saul's name to Paul. God does this. He has done this on purpose. And I don't know about you, but I find great significance in the fact that God will purposely change somebody's name. But what's the greatest significance in this name change is that now these people would always remember that they belong to God. No matter the season, no matter the difficulty with the battles that would come among them, no matter the, the persecution against them, they would always remember, my name is Peter. I, got, I belong to God. I can just imagine Peter in the book of Acts in the early days of the church, when Jesus, he ascended, he left them, brought down the spirit. I bet there were times where Peter was ready to just give up, surrender everything. But then he's like, "Ah, I'm Peter. I have relationship. I have this connection to God, this connection that is not only in my heart, but even on my name. God connected me to him. These individuals, they knew the weight and seriousness of what this name change meant. So much so that they didn't refer to themselves anymore to their old name. This is my new name. I belong to God. They saw the power in their name change. Do you? Do you realize the great power that Christ did on that cross, so much so that he changed your name. Because when you know who you are, you also know what you are not. And those whose names were changed in Scripture knew who they were and who they weren't. They would say, I was Sarai, but now I'm Sarah. I belong to God. I was Abram, but now I'm Abraham. I belong to God. I was Jacob, but now I'm Israel. I belong to God. I was Simon, but now I'm Peter. I belong to God. Someone needs to take ownership in who they are today. I was a slave to born, but now I belong to God. I was a slave to alcohol, but now I belong to God. I was an addict, but now I'm a son. I was a slave to suicidal thoughts, but now I am a child of God. I am not an addict. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm not a prescribed depressive patient. I am a daughter. The doctors may have diagnosed me with a mental illness, but I do not identify myself with that mental illness. I identify myself with Christ, with Jesus. I am a son. 
You are a son. You are a daughter. You are not a slave. Let these go. Let these go. You are a daughter. You are a son. He is your father, and he loves you, and he's going to set you free. You're going to be finally free. I believe that for you. I'm praying that over you. You're going to be set free. I am free because I belong to God. Receive that this morning. You belong to God. And if that ain't enough for you, I have some scripture. (laughs) Romans 8, 5 says this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Receive that today. You are not a slave. You are not a dirty piece of trash. You are a son and you are a daughter. And the Father so loves you so much that he wants to set you free. Your Father wants to set you free. Because he is the only one that can set you free. Because, yes, there are things that our doctors and people in our lives will prescribe to us to help us through the process. Yeah? However, you need to also bring Jesus in that process. Because Jesus is the great physician. So yes, Jesus will use doctors to help you be free. But he is waiting for you to submit yourself to the greater doctor who will make you finally free. He will use all of it. So submit yourself to that great physician today and watch him set you free. Can you guys stand with me in this place? Like I said in the beginning of the sermon series, I didn't just want to preach a sermon series out of biblical knowledge. I wanted to preach out of personal testimony, out of real transformation. Because like I said last week, I know what it feels like to be bound. I know what what it feels like to be chained up. But I also know what it feels like to be set free permanently. But there was a moment of surrender that I had to do in my part to watch Jesus set me free. And he's he's waiting for you today to do the same. I feel like just this word that keeps coming to my mind is urgency. There needs to be an urgency in our hearts. We can't wait until next week. The way this world is going, I don't even know if we can wait till next year. You need to be urgent. Respond. You feel that tug in your heart. 
For all of us, it's different. Maybe you feel a tug in your heart. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit goosebumps. I don't know. It's different for all of us. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit is knocking on to some hearts today. And he's saying, receive me, not just as your Lord, as your Savior, but as your Father. So we're going to take some time to respond. And if you want to come and respond anyway, the altar is open. There are people ready to pray with you. And God has his arms wide open, ready to receive you as a son.